This is Movies, a podcast about the act of cinema. And with me today is Hans. Hans, how are you doing, Hans? <laughs> Good. Sorry. Uh, I just got a text message. My friend's granddad died. Uh, and I said, oh, sorry about your loss. And, and she's like, yeah, the legend died. And uh, he wasn't a legend. <laughs> <laughs> that's, just, that's just like, it's fucking, it's just fucking did you know man. him at all? Yeah, but like. As much as you know an old guy from your neighborhood, you know? It's just like... I don't know any old guys in my neighborhood. Just, okay, well, fine. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Introduce our guest. Okay, we have Zombie TV from Twitter, the writer from Twitch. I saw you did a a stream with Jerry recently. I did, yeah. I did a few of those. Terrific. And the movie that we're going to be talking about tonight is David Fincher's 2007 masterwork uh, zodiac i was gonna say zombie excuse me (laughs) dear editor this is the murderer of the two teenagers last christmas at lake herman and the girl on the fourth of july i want you to print this cipher on the front page of your paper he wants his code in the afternoon edition ray smith don't you have a cartoon to finish Zodiac Killer has come to San Francisco. Another letter. School children make nice targets. He gave himself a name. Greek, Morse code, astrological signs. This guy's used them all. I like killing people because man is the most dangerous animal of all. How does one do that? I like puzzles. I do them a lot. Got any hard suspects? About uh, 90 an hour. I'm up to around 500. You got four crime scenes. Not a single usable print. You can't think of this case in normal police terms. He's breaking the pattern. Lana said you were a cartoonist. Oh, yeah. (laughs) What are you doing at the gun range? I just want to help. What are you, some kind of boy scout? Eagle scout, actually. First class. Well, I've been thinking. Oh, God, say it was there's no evidence, Robert. What do you mean there's no evidence? You have him seen with the ciphers, the military boot prints, the bloody knife. All circumstantial. Why do you need to do this? Because nobody else will. Uh, the thing that makes Zodiac significant for me is that I, we can get into this, but I do view it as like a pretty bleak movie uh, and sort of like a little bit, I don't know, like not really uplifting at all. And since 2020 has been this weird year where I just have to like, be inside i just find myself watching it over and over because it kind of has like what seems to me to be like a very sincere sort of perspective but also again like a very bleak perspective and so i've been finding that comforting whereas sort of anything more cheerful has really been annoying uh honestly the first time i had seen it uh, i was kind of bored with it i thought i was very disappointed by the fact that well i wasn't very familiar with the case and I, I was disappointed by the fact that there was not really an ending when it comes to revealing who the who the real killer is oh but i love that that's that's why i'm such a zodiac head is i love no, that right. he never got officially caught um yeah but continue well after after seeing it i got more into the story and started doing my own research and then now this time that i saw it uh, i realized that you know it wasn't really the story about the Zodiac killer and it was more about how he indirectly affected the life of these characters that we're following. So I ended up liking it way more than before just because of that. I guess I wasn't expecting the type of movie that I was expecting before where, you know, violence, you know, serial killer, more violence, more graphic, more. And instead, you know, you get this kind of detective drama where 
what we do is see uh, characters just getting their life destroyed because they become obsessed with this mythical character that no one's yeah. you know, able to catch. Uh, and yeah. that actually made it more interesting. So, so yeah, the, the second watch was definitely made it much better. And I guess I I understand the hype now that I that I didn't get before. Yeah, I I completely agree with that, Hans. The thing I've been saying is this is a movie about people trying to be good at their jobs. That's really like what Zodiac is about. It's about uh, three dudes who like go to work and try to do a good job, and then just through no fault of their own, like come up short and then have to like deal with the existential consequences of that, which is like a very interesting presentation for a crime movie. For me personally, I, I first became introduced to the Zodiac Killer on Unsolved Mysteries around like 1993, 1994, where they did a recreation of the case where he picks up the woman with the baby. And that, that was my uh, first taste of the Zodiac Killer. Were you familiar with his his murder spree no. uh, prior to the film being made. Not at all. That's the thing. Uh, when I when I uh, went in to watch the first movie, I thought I was going to see like a you know a violent the first type movie, of, the nineteen seventy one made no, for television. That one, <laughs> that one's that. That one is actually what I guess I was expecting from from the uh, David Fincher one because that one. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it, but. The story, they, 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 um, the hero is the killer and he's like a, an angry mailman that's like tired of people complaining to him. So he. So, wait, 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 hold on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let, let's, let's talk about th this Zodiac, uh, before he fixes his connection and, and rejoins okay. us. Here. Can you guys hear me? Yes. All right. I think I might have to ditch the video for a sec. Okay. Yeah. You already sound smoother. So, okay. Uh, we'll, we'll keep it to this if it keeps becoming a problem uh yeah you watched the zodiac from 1971 so they just made up a backstory for the killer well they i i guess so yeah because you know we we don't know who he actually is but in this movie at first we have these two friends one of them is bald and wears this really bad hairpiece and uh and the other one is a mailman that uh has a confrontation with an older lady and he gets very upset and he wants to kill or whatever and then uh, we're made to believe that the bald guy is the mean one or the, the killer because uh, some girls that were flirting with him knocked his hairpiece off his head. So he got really angry and almost punched one of them. So we're made to believe that he's the Zodiac killer. But then he gets killed by the police and we find out that, no, it's the mailman. Um, but everything is so it, it's done like, a you know, like one of those gay panic videos from from back in the day yeah where they're kind of made to teach you something uh it looks like that but it's not that at all it's just really cheesy just badly done violence um but uh it, it was definitely uh funny to see it after after watching the david fincher one which is what i what i ended up doing after all uh are either of you guys familiar with the book by robert graysmith i mean obviously like insofar as it factors into the movie, but I haven't, I haven't read Zodiac. Uh, I read it last year. And by read, I mean, I listened to an audiobook because I can't pay attention well enough to read, to sit and read a book anymore. I've spoiled myself. Uh, it is, uh, it's, it, I mean, there are similarities to it, but uh, I, the movie is absolutely its own thing. Um, the book has some interesting details about Arthur Lee. There's a, there's two books. They did a tie in, uh, uh, book around the same time that this movie had come out 
uh, where they actually name Arthur Lee Allen, because at that point he had died. When this book came out, I'm not sure if he did die yet. I suspect he did not. Um, actually, because it, it is in the movie. It comes up in the movie. Yeah, yeah. The book exists, and he, then he goes and visits Arthur Lee Allen at the hardware store. So um, one one little fact about when the police raided Arthur Lee Allen's mother's home. Well, actually, let me let me give you just a little bit of backstory that doesn't come into the movie at all. Arthur Lee Allen freaked his mother out so much that when he was living with her, she went at, at a certain point, you know, all of his family just kind of excommunicated him. Um, she took him in and then at a point was like, oh, Arthur, I'm going on a trip. I'm going to travel to Europe. I'm going to go on a cruise. And then she just never came back. She just, <laughs> she, she just left him uh, the house and that was it. Also, he was very wealthy. He came from a wealthy family. They They don't play up on that in the movie at all and then uh when the police finally did visit him he was in his basement covered in i think uh squirrels he was his whole body was covered in squirrels and he was screaming so uh that's arthur lee allen the prime wow. <laughs> suspect of the wow zodiac that killings. is because they only hint at the squirrel thing in the movie so it's actually like much bleaker in reality oh yeah it certainly is um yeah, in the movie, they well, check out his in, trailer. Hold on. In the Zodiac movie from 1971, mm. he has rabbits, <laughs> and uh, one of them dies, and he goes on a monologue for like two or three minutes about why evil people are allowed to live, but innocent rabbits like <laughs> Leo, which was his rabbit's name, have to die. Well, now we know the motive. <laughs> so, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's all for rabbit justice. The the actual details of it are, are very interesting. On this viewing of Zodiac, I came away with a bigger impression that the reason, and this is just my uh, spitballing here, the reason why they couldn't catch the Zodiac or pin down his, his handprints or, or this or that, they're analyzing letters. I think if, if this movie was made honestly today, which it, it couldn't be, um, I think there would be more of a factor of kind of what they delve into slightly in this movie with the Mark Ruffalo character forging one of the letters, even though he gets yeah. cleared at a, at a later point. I think a lot of the confusion was uh, a result of the police force taking certain conveniences, trying to pin certain murders on Zodiac, maybe, or connect them to simplify their own work, and maybe the press uh, forging letters or... Uh, adding elements to the case because it's a hot story at the time. And so you have all this going on. And again, this is just m my idea of things. I have nothing to back this up. There's no factual anything to that aside from what we already know, which is somewhat grounded in that. I think there's there's probably more than one Zodiac killer. I think there's one guy who likes taking the credit for it. And there's a couple of murders that are probably unrelated to it. And uh, I mean, they, again, they seem to wink at that idea with this movie but they don't ever really point you in a solid direction because that's not what the movie's about, as we were kind of getting at before. It's about the unraveling of these men in their lives. Yeah. Well, I think I think it's very clear. Like, one of the things the movie says is really the barrier they come up against is just the lack of a database and, like, how, like, bad police are at sharing information across these counties. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I really liked is how annoyed uh, Dave Totsky, like Mark Ruffalo's character, gets when he goes to see Dirty Harry, because that sort of just seems to insinuate that, like, if if the cops had been, like, more like the killer, 
and like evil and willing to stoop to his level, they would have been able to catch him. But that's not, at least as far as Zodiac says, that's not really the case at all. It's more sort of like boring reasons having to do with like confusion and paper trails. So before, because this is something that I think about a lot, actually, I don't know if I should be saying that, how easy it was for people to get away with shit like this before DNA, before... All of that because you could just move to a different state and they will never find you or you would just go to a different country like this guy's mom and what find me good luck try send me a letter well that was ted bundy's approach right when we were talking about uh extremely wicked shockingly vile or whatever the movie was that's exactly what he was doing he would just leave a courtroom in handcuffs and then go run and be somebody else in a new state. He'd be a brand new man. Good old, what, what was police work then? Just ask questions? Find a guy. And, uh, Just find a guy yeah. who looks right. Find, That's it. Find well, someone that you can blame everything on. Yeah, I guess. Try to make you, it make sense. You see them really like stumble through all of these bad ideas, right? Like the part where they're like, well, let's open up a tip line. And then it's just thousands of insane people mm-hmm. like calling the police station with all of their ideas. So, I mean, it, it's very clear that for a large part of it, they're just like stumbling around in the dark, which is actually the part of the movie that I sort of like find really, I don't know if endearing is the right word, but there's a certain charm to just like all of their inept ideas failing. Right. Well, the the 1971 movie, actually, um, there's a rumor that it was created to try to catch him because one thing they did at the theater was that they gave uh, the attendants a piece of paper and they asked the question, I think the Zodiac kills because, and have them write something, and then deposit it in like a big box and there was someone inside of it, of the box, reading every note and comparing it to the Zodiac thing to see if they could catch it because they thought, well, of course, if they made a movie, uh, so that, that definitely related to that. One of those ideas that you know they they thought is this brilliant thing that of course not going to fail and it it didn't work at all. Of course it didn't work. I mean, a noble attempt. <laughs> if so, it's kind of an argoing, right? Uh, what do you guys think yeah. about this movie in terms of David Fincher's filmography? Because in my opinion, I think this is by far his best movie, and it's not even close. Uh yeah, I, I would completely agree with that. I actually, like, obviously David Fincher, I don't know, obviously, but, like, I think David Fincher is a very talented filmmaker, but about half of his movies I actually find, like, pretty annoying. So, of the ones I like, Zodiac is definitely my favorite. Do you care to unpack that a little bit? Which, which sure. movies do you find annoying? Uh, Gone Girl is, like, an extremely annoying film. Uh, it's implausible. No, none of the characters, like... I guess I'm not supposed to want those bad things to happen to Ben Affleck's character, but also I like hate him. So I don't yeah. care. Um, so uh, yeah, not really a big fan of that at all. Seven. I like, but seven, I also find like sort of really dense and unrelatable just cause it's like so stylized. Whereas Zodiac, I don't really get that for that at all. It like really draws you in. And it's like a human story. So uh yeah, those two films. I haven't seen Alien 3. Uh, Panic Room was stupid, obviously. Yeah. I didn't know that that movie's actually like, seen as a good movie by most Is it today? critics or whatever. At the time. I don't know today, but I... At the time, yeah, I, the I do time, remember it being like a big, big movie for that moment. Yeah. But, I mean, so was like 
What Lies Beneath with Harrison Ford and Michelle Pfeiffer, and he killed his wife in the bathtub, or whatever that movie was. Who cares? You know, it's 2000. Uh, there, the, I mean, I don't know if the opinions hold up today. I, pan, nobody talks about Panic Room. Nobody's posting clips from Panic Room. It was, again, it was just a movie of the moment, and it's not discussed anymore. Fight Club, I think, is probably the most discussed of yeah. any of his films, especially... As of recent, you don't like that one, Hans? I see you grimacing a little bit. It's that's fine. It's fine. It's like it's it's a a white guy's like hard on fantasy of what they wish their life was. So I get it. I understand. Are you giving us a toxic the masculinity movie, but... take now? Yes. The, the well, first there, year feminist. No, no, it's just. I just. But there think, is. I don't know. There is a pretty popular theory that that's all satire. Right. That rather than right. like sort of endorsing that perspective, it's sort of mocking the guy who like reads Nietzsche and then becomes like very weird as a result of it. Which 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 would make it much better, I think, if if that's the intention. But I guess I'm going more by the reaction that the crowd that likes it had to it. You know, the people that get the soap tattooed on their arm and, yeah. you know, shit like that. But it's just uh, I don't know. I guess I'm just up. Off put by that, I haven't seen it in a long time, and uh, mostly because of that culture around it that is so fucking annoying. Uh, but I'm sure it's good. He's really good. Like even his boring movies, is he visually really good? Are really Fincher, I mean. Yes, I don't know. Is he really I, good, I, or does he just have like? Because like, we're going over the films right now, and I'm not really. I, I have to tell you, I'm not impressed with a good portion of these movies. I think they're they're so often discussed as like, oh, those are good. Those are really good. That was a well done crime film. That was a well. What? But no, I mean, within two years, a lot of them are just forgettable. There, yeah. there are. I think some things he does very well, like. Um, you know, he really trims the fat on a lot of his films, right? They're very like uh, dense and like immersive. So whatever his technique is of like sort of lulling the audience into that place where they kind of forget that they're even watching a movie, he does that well with everything that he does. But um, certainly there are other aspects of the things he does, like even choosing to make the film Gone Girl uh, that, you know, I don't resonate with me at all. I think he's spotty. I think I think he has uh, flashes of brilliance, but I don't know if I would. I mean, I, his average to me anyway would probably be about like a sixty-three passing, but not quite spectacular. But he's one of these names that that's just like frequently brought up for twentieth-century film, late twentieth-century filmmakers, like a Paul Thomas Anderson, who I think is a good director. I'm not bashing Paul Thomas Anderson, but there doesn't seem to be a room of much discussion about whether or not the quality matches. Uh, the dialogue around that. Well, yeah. Now, now that you mentioned that, after you know, going through a list, I think maybe I'm mostly impressed by uh, the, the cinematography that he uses. I don't know if he uses the same person, but most of his movies have kind of a similar look. And I really like the way that he shoots dialogue because he just keeps the camera moving constantly. So it's never still or boring. Uh, but looking into his movies, actually, just, Taking that away from them, they they are kind of, yeah. See, here's the thing. Of, here's the thing with Fincher. <laughs> I think you can definitely point out some great scenes in his movies, but the movies themselves maybe don't add up to that. You know, I think again, Zodiac is probably the most uh, uh, perfected of of his films. I think uh, something like Gone Girl is a very good example that you've brought up. 
as to something that has good scenes in it, but maybe doesn't amount to much by the time you get to the conclusion of it, especially if you have read the book, um, which is, I mean, we're not really going out on a limb by saying that any book is better than its movie counterpart. But uh, I, I think the impact of the uh, you know results within that story hit harder in the in the novel from Gillian Flynn than they do the the feature. And then also, yeah, we're talking about Panic Room. We're talking about, I mean, I think Seven's a, a fairly good film. Um, it's probably the second best in his filmography behind Zodiac. Uh, what else is it? Mank was not impressive. I really didn't like Mank. Mank was like both boring and then like at times kind of unintentionally funny which i thought was like a weird combo for it to be like mostly dull and then funny when it didn't intend to be that that was my impression of it and as far as uh you know the camera work and whatnot he does have a very sleek visual look but in this film no you know going back to it a lot of those establishing shots uh don't quite hold (laughs) up that well i have a i have the director's cut blu-ray and I have a nice 4K television, so I can see everything crystal clear. And unfortunately, a lot of those establishing shots look like cutscenes from Grand Theft Auto now. He really loves to pepper in the CG. And, um, it, I, you know, it, it works for, you know, when there when they're actually happen to be people on screen and there's motion, there's cars, there's, a, you know, scenery, then you don't mind, like, the CG fireworks or the, the sign in the background. But it was really noticeable on this go around just how artificial a lot of these landscapes were where you could have just bought and i mean it's 2007 you could have easily got some good drone shots or helicopter shots that was within the budget um but i does it take away from the movie no it doesn't take away from the movie at all um yeah i mean i, I watched this on a laptop so certainly <laughs> too, yeah you get a good <laughs> yeah. 480p copy yeah yeah so uh it was probably higher res than that so certainly i didn't pick this out but um, you know, I agree with, to go back to what you ultimately said, I also think this is like f- far and away his best movie. Cause I, I love this. Like I, you know, I've seen this movie, Jesus, maybe 11 times. So like, clearly I must enjoy it. Uh, let's talk about the performances a little bit, because I think you have, what were you going to say, Hans? I don't want to cut you off and get into something when we're potentially going to discuss <laughs> something unrelated. What's up? Well, no, I just wanted to ask uh, zombie if he's seen Mindhunter. Yeah, I've seen Mindhunter for sure. What do you What do you think? Because oh, I know Loris has it. Um, I Mindhunter, uh, I enjoyed as well. Um, I think, I, I think the thing Mindhunter suffers from actually isn't Fincher's fault, which is that like it, the main character in it, the work is based on him like having written about his own life. So it's hard to make him like complex or interesting because the characters like sort of wrote himself to be a genius. So like in season two, they sort of turn against him. But season one is just all of, you know what I mean? He's just like the golden boy. It's almost like Goodwill Hunting. If Goodwill Hunting, like you go to the second part and he like does join the NSA and then like hunts down bad guys. He's just like incomparably intelligent. And I found that really alienating. You ever watch House of Cards? Disagree with it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I did watch. I, yeah, I did watch House of Cards. Well, how does how does that stack up to Mindhunter and everything else? <laughs> um, House of Cards, I think, uh, 
I mean, I think it's better than Mindhunter. Certainly, uh, you know, uh, Kevin Spacey is a good actor. He's very compelling. So even just based on that, you can like, you know, you can watch him do a lot of stuff and that'll carry the show. That's what I think needs to happen. I think David Fincher needs to reteam with Kevin Spacey. <laughs> they need each other right now. Yeah, yeah, those those videos Kevin is making where he's like sitting on the bench talking about how you shouldn't kill yourself. I was like, this could use this could use some CG. This video <laughs> that, that could be use bad. some some good artificial snow, like in the social. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's why people didn't respond. I think was the cinematography. Uh, I want to talk about these performances. You have some very good actors in this movie. Mark Ruffalo, I hate his guts. He's really disgusting. Uh, but I, he is good in this film. He's a very good actor uh, in this film. He, he was so annoying at the beginning with his stupid little voice. But then <laughs> you can't not like the character at the end. You know, he, he won me over throughout because at the beginning I was just like his little whiny voice was very annoying uh, at first. But then, yeah. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. In, in a weird way, I think his character, Dave Chosky, is like the most likable character in this movie. He's the one I like responded to the most of like the three protagonists. Just because like Robert Graysmith is such like a like Gyllenhaal's character. He's such he's a literal Boy Scout. So he just like does the right thing over and over and over. And then Paul Avery kind of, you know, falls into drugs and alcohol. Whereas, like, Mark Ruffalo's character is the one I found most relatable because he's the one who really has to try to, like, keep himself together. He's, like, the one who, I don't know, this is, you know, I feel like I would be him, I guess, if I had to be any of these people. Well, he's also the only one who doesn't seem to neglect very important aspects of their life. Like, Robert Graysmith, uh, his obsession with the Zodiac case winds up crippling his family life. And then Paul Avery... You know, we last see him with a ventilator and he's got like oxygen yeah. tubes up his nose or whatever. Like somebody's grandma who's about to pass away, even though the little end credit card says, uh, oh, he actually died in 2000, 23 years later. But he looks like he's on his way out at the bar in 1977. Yeah, yeah ab absolutely. Which, which I mean, given what happens to the film is like. Uh, it's like understandable. It, it's funny that you talk about how Robert Graysmith destroyed his family because he's divorced at the start of the movie. Yeah, this yeah. man, like, he's a divorced man who gets divorced again. So yeah, he's not, I don't know, he's maybe a little too dedicated to the wrong things. But that that's part of what makes it interesting. I don't I don't entirely fault him there either because Chloe, Chloe's insufferable to me in this movie. Like, she knew what she signed up. The first date he's leaving to yeah. go to the... Come on. You know what you're doing here. Well, you're, then that's you're gonna... always... That's so classic, right? Where a woman's, like, attracted to a man for a thing, and then when he keeps doing it, she's like, well, yes. why is he... I only wanted this. Right, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and then it was really sad what happened to that character, because later she became an actress and ended up sucking Vince Gallows' dick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s acting here, uh, I, I had mixed feelings about it because we're, you know, obviously watching this now from 2021, the, the Robert Downey Jr. shtick wears a little thinner at the time. I thought it was uh, fantastic. And he's still like a fairly likable character, all things considered, even though he's like a total piece of shit to Robert Graysmith. Um, he still has that charm to him. And it was just making me depressed 
because I was going through like Robert Downey Jr.'s filmography before he landed Iron Man and and wound up doing Iron Man two and the event and all these movies that you know spiraled him away from anything decent or great or artistic. Uh, he had like a good run of films during this time. He had like Charlie Bartlett. He had this movie. He did. I think he did one with Shane Black. Uh, he was in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Uh, what I'm missing one. Oh, Tropic Thunder is like the big, big one that is non-Marvel related from that time, 2008. He had a great streak of films, and then but it I just mean, went away. He, he's doing Doctor Doolittle now. He's doing fine. <laughs> <sighs> uh, well, I was looking yeah, at I, what he has to come. He's he's can't, like it's all it's all cameo shit. It's like Jamie Fox has a movie coming out. Want to want to do like a two second role in it? He apparently plays a Mexican guy in it, so he's doing brown face. Clearly hasn't oh, learned his lesson. Oh. He's at it again. Yeah. Unbelievable, this guy. Anyway, yeah, they didn't even wait. They didn't even give him a name. His name is Mexican Stranger. <laughs> <laughs> Sherlock Holmes 3, that's not depressing right. either, right? Yeah. So well, it's... that's like what Lawrence described. That's his little like redemption arc, right? Like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang was like his comeback film. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so it's, it really sort of makes sense. You see someone hustling for like two to three years and then just landing a cushy gig and riding with it, which is, I, I don't know how you guys think, that's what life is about. That's what most people do most of the time. Hans, I was we were talking about Hans getting fired a lot earlier because he's George Costanza <laughs> from Seinfeld. I don't think he knows what that's like. This is the cushy gig, this good cushy unpaid gig. Um, yeah, yeah. Like I don't, honestly, I don't blame him for taking the Disney deal at all. I mean, he was in prison like three years before. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, doing yeah. that. So, um, if you want unlimited money and power in Hollywood, yeah, do do the Disney thing for ten years. I would like to see him get. I mean, he's still relatively young. He's only in his, I think, mid fifties or early fifties now. So he's got plenty of time to get back to work and do some legitimate projects if he chooses to do that. You know, he's such a good actor; it'd be a waste otherwise. But yeah, Doolittle and then Sherlock Holmes three—that's not a good start. Yeah, that's not a good start at all. But uh, during this time, yeah, you definitely do find him in some of the more interesting, smaller indie projects, kind of like the tail end of these films being able to get like a decent theatrical release. I don't think that that really that didn't really happen as much in uh, the tens, you know, films like a like a Charlie Bartlett scale Fox Searchlight getting uh, distribution to regular AMC theaters. I think that started to peter out around 2012, 2013. Well, I, I remember like when 2019 was closing, a whole bunch of people were making their like best films of the decade list and overwhelmingly you would see people saying the social network which came out in 2010 and it sort of seemed like uh like i don't know like the movie industry telling on itself and being like yeah we we really have just fallen off in the past 10 years because everybody's favorite movie was like as far back as you could go for it to count yeah. Uh, have you watched The Social Network recently? I had a very high opinion of it when it initially came out. I think I last watched it maybe like five or six years ago, and I thought it was still uh, great, but I haven't watched it as of recent. I think I saw it, I don't know, maybe a year ago, something like that. Uh, I, I really like it. The The only gripe I have with it is that, that Sorkin thing where the mm. actors will kind of do the like Sorkin dialogue or what before then was the Kevin Smith dialogue where they're just like, 
like words could not occur to a person that fast. So it really is like obviously just some sort of like rapid fire, like slam poetry performance. There's like a couple scenes where that was alienating to me, but o- overall, I really like the movie. Uh, would you prefer Kevin Smith's rendition of that, or or do you have a high tolerance <laughs> for? For sorting. Kevin Smith's social network? It depends depends what year they let him make it. Because if they let him make it now, Mark Zuckerberg would be in Canada for no reason. It would just be incredibly odd and alienated. What is it? We got Clerks 3 up next, and then he's going to finally do Moose Jaws and replace Johnny Depp. Great. Great way to to end his career. (laughs) I'm I'm looking at his um, career before... Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, those 2005... What, you mean Ally McBeal? Episodes of Ally uh, McBeal? Uh, dude, did Gingerbread Man, Friends and Lovers, Bowfinger... Wait. The Singing Detective, his name in The Singing Detective is Dan Dark. That sounds like a YouTuber. Dan Dark. Hold on, no, no, no. wait, 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 wait. The Singing Detective is okay. That's a, I think that's... A, is sure. that Shane Black or is that Mel Gibson? Somebody, one of those two. It's Keith Gordon. Oh, Keith Gordon's a good director. He did. Um, oh, geez, he did a World War II film with a whole bunch of actors. Peter Berg is in it. Uh, uh, Ethan Hawke is the star. It was very Chocolate I, Ward. No, no, not the Chocolate Ward. That was a that was a kids book. What was it? Okay. Hold on, I'm forgetting the title. It, it just got Father recently. Night, Walking the Dead. No, not Walking. I don't know. It's a good Mother movie Night. though. It's about Nazis. I think it, it might be that. That doesn't sound right. It's but... got uh, Nick Nolte in it. No, that's not it. Okay, come so... on. What's what is what is the title here? <laughs> no, sing, no. Is it is it Warrior with Nick Nolte? Is that no. the movie you're thinking of? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, come on, no, it's, there's a list. He only directed like four films. Anyway. Midnight Clear. There, there you go. That's it. That's a, that's a pretty decent film. But uh, to what I was saying before, which I've totally forgotten, uh, he's fi- <laughs> no, he's finding the singing detective. Um, that I think that was like a made-for-TV film, or it got one of those direct-to-DVD releases. He wasn't big yet. That was that was like the layup to him doing Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, and then doing the 2006 to 2009 movies that brought him back. Well, he was also in the Halle Berry uh, vehicle, Gothica. Gothica. That one. Wow. Halle yeah. Berry really destroyed her career at Warner Brothers in 2003. Gothica, Catwoman, back-to-back. Um, enough. Enough? That was, that was J-Lo, wasn't it? <laughs> that's, oh, yeah. such, that's such a drop-off, right? <laughs> Didn't she win an Academy Award and then just, like, never do anything good ever again? Yes, she wins yeah. in 2001 for Monsters Ball, and then she goes on to do all of that. <laughs> so, well, she also was sucked into the Marvel thing with X Men, right? So there's a couple of years where it was that, and then she did Die Another Day, she did Catwoman, uh, and uh, now she's doing um, she's playing Jackie Justice in Bruce, whatever that. She was in. Oh, John it's about Rick. a former. MMA fighter. Oh, she's directing it. That that's cool. That's good. Good for her. Good for. I, I don't know if you guys are big on like James Bond films. I'm not really. But Die Another Day is holy shit. That movie's terrible. That movie's atrocious. <laughs> the, and the Madonna scene where she's just like, because she did the song to the movie, and I guess yeah. part of that was like, I want to be in the movie too. She does like a quick cameo, and it is so awful. 
It is. It's terrible how bad the acting is. I really want to see her movie with uh, Harvey Keitel that she paid Abel Ferrer to direct. There's just some random romance film from the early 90s she she did because she watched Bad Lieutenant and liked it. So she hired, she hired just a vanity project. Like uh, the one she did in the early aughts with, uh, what's his name? Guy, Guy who's, her, who's her ex-husband? Guy. Guy Ritchie. Guy Ritchie. Guy Fawkes. Guy Fawkes. Right. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> anyway. Oh, yeah, the one with there in an island and she's just kind of naked, but not really. Yeah, yeah. Should we do a Madonna that. retrospective? Madonna no. film retrospective no. for this show? No. I'm, it sounds I'm like not, it could no. be good. Oh, it could be good. There's, okay, let's see. There's, What's that movie with Will and Dafoe where he just fucks her for like an hour? This body of evidence or something? I never watched that. That's I don't watch like, films like that. Like, that sounds like filth. Yeah, that sounds you're yeah, watching it porn. Is. That's what you're watching. Yeah. Well, kind of. Uh, Will and Dafoe gives it to her. Uh, then there's that one. <laughs> is Will that the log line for the movie? It, <laughs> it just says Will and Dafoe gives it to her. <laughs> yes. It's very cheesy too. It's very nineties cheesy with like uh they have like blankets on them but it's like transparent and like it's it's really bad anyway uh you, you we would have to see that video where she's with a bunch of naked black guys right and she's just naked with her bush that's a book that's a book she put out a oh. book called sex and it's all photos like that there's a, like what you're describing oh. i'm sure there's a video of that too. yeah she's uh i can't believe we're just talking about madonna now but vanilla <laughs> ice is in that book there's a bunch of photos right. of her posing nude with vanilla ice yeah yeah yeah, I think they were an item briefly, right? Or I don't well. It's yeah. It's wow. That's talk about things that have aged poorly. What movies has she been in? That's can't even choose it a bunch. She, she, I can't, right? Why are we Dick talking Tracy. about Tracy? We just did Dick Tracy. <laughs> what are you talking about? We're, oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. We, we were talking about how she was the weakest part of Dick Tracy, even though yeah. I don't think it took away from the movie at all. Uh yeah, not not really related to the Zodiac killer. Hey, who's your favorite killer, zombie? Of like like serial killers who exist? Yes. Um I mean, it's it's like a weird toss-up because obviously like Bundy is interesting cuz he's the person we like have the most like sort of personality of. Like he did so many things and talked so much and did that weird thing where he blamed porn. So he's really interesting. But then also someone like BTK, who you just know nothing about other than the descriptions of all the very, very odd things he did. So like, oh, no, you know what? That's a lie. It's Edmund Kemper. By and far away, it is Edmund Kemper. Because I found out this fact, Edmund Kemper, when he was in prison, uh, one of the jobs he had was like reading books to tape for the blind. So somewhere there exists the entirety of Dune the novel Dune as read by Edmund Kemper. And ever since I found out about that, I'm like, that's my life's goal is to listen to Dune as read by Edmund <laughs> Kemper. Oh, that sounds terrific. Hans, yeah. how about you? Who's your favorite killer? Uh, I like Ed Gein because of the creatively uh, way of disposing the bodies that he did by making the lampshades and, and furniture. Uh, and I think John Wayne Gacy was funny because of his whole like image that he had of like this friendly clown or whatever. And then he's just fucking little boys and like burying them in his, what a crawl space or whatever. So 
I don't, I, I don't know I if I would say that favorite, but I think he's doing that. And he's also a part time clown and also like rubbing elbows with politicians of the time. Yeah. Somehow he's a political figure <laughs> yeah, yeah, as yeah. well, a well regarded man. And a painter. And a painter, yeah. yes. Uh, John Wayne Gacy, he helped to start Todd Phillips' career because mm. Todd Phillips generated the funding for Hated by selling Gacy's paintings. That's right. Like, back of comic books. You would read a comic book or like some, you know, weird creepo magazine and at the back it would be like buy john wayne gacy's painting and that's where you get the budget for the gg allen dog the thing that i i really enjoy about zodiac too is that they don't paint i mean i think they're definitely saying arthur lee allen is the at least the main zodiac killer i love that they also throw in the unrelated charles fleischer creepy little roger rabbit voice man in the basement yeah um that just kind of like spirals everything and, and really sets you straight that this isn't really about who the killer is. Uh, but the, the fact that that whole aspect as well is introduced just in the third act is, well, maybe it's Rick Marshall. Maybe it's this guy who yeah. loved films and you know made these snuff films out of the Zodiac killings. And you don't really get an explanation for anything that occurs in the house. Uh, the people that are upstairs or not yeah. upstairs. He could just be a crank trying to wind up Ro- uh, Robert Graysmith knowing he's working on the novel. You don't know any of this. Yeah. Yeah, it really just makes it clear that they're, like, in over their heads, right? Like, Graysmith just gets to this point where he is just, like, paranoia manifest. Like, he gets so obsessive, and then all he's doing is annoying people and then kind of being frightened the entire time. So that's yeah. sort of like like the the sort of... In, until we get to the the final part in the airport or the hardware store, that's the part of the film where like hope really collapses. And you're like, oh, this guy, he has no idea what he's doing. He's just out of his mind. The actual story of that too is uh, way. I mean, they could have fleshed that out more, but with, I, I think this ends very well and ends on the the right note. It should have, but the hardware store sequence is much more elaborate and like James Bondy in real life where he's trying to get, he's trying to find like his employee signature inside the store. He's like going into the break room and stuff and looking for Arthur Lee Allen's uh, so he can give like a handwritten uh, comparison to this. So they made it interesting. The real story was actually, this was very hand jobby to me, this part. It felt very CW where people just stare at each other and then the camera goes back to the other and then they're staring back. Right, and then the other one's staring back, and nothing is happening. And yeah, then, yeah. yeah you, you you swap out Robert Graysmith and Arthur Lee Allen, and you just put Dawson and Joey in there, and they give each other the same look. It, it works totally fine. Like they had to end the movie somewhere. This is probably as good as it could get for that. They could have made it a little more climactic in that regard, but he didn't even wind up. I don't think he wound up getting a a, a handwritten sample that way, or maybe I don't know. I don't know. It's been a minute since I read the book, but. Uh, yeah, that, I remember that being interesting in real life, much more interesting than what we see in the movie. But what I was going to get at before, before I went on the Rick Marshall tangent and everything, is that this is, I think, one of the first movies that kind of paints the killer as kind of like retarded, you know, and not yeah. like <laughs> like he's he's smart, but he's retarded. He's got the right amount of smart to pull it off, but he's actually just like a big, dumb, lumbering idiot, you know? Yeah. He clearly has some very like auto ex- like odd eccentric beliefs like uh, like the whole involvement of like Melvin Belli 
and like writing a letter. He's like, this is the person I want to talk to was like Jack Ruby's lawyer. Like of all the people you could be like weirdly interested in reaching out to, it's him. And then, you know, his obsession with credit, like calling the police after the first killing and just confessing on himself immediately. Like he's clearly just like a strange person in ways that aren't like interesting or sexy, just in ways that like a very odd person at like your high school that everybody wanted to stay away from would be weird. Right. Well, I mean, the fact that he came up with that goofy ass costume of his yeah. executioner costume is pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's that not there. he takes everything from the, the watch and he explains what he's going to do to his friend before he does it and doesn't alter a goddamn thing. He's like, well, if I started killing people, I'd call myself the Zodiac and this would be my symbol. <laughs> and then the friend is like, that sounds dumb. And he's like, well, I don't care. I thought it up. I love it. I think it's smart. I'm going to do that. And then nobody says anything for like eight years, I guess. I do think, though, like Hans, you were talking about his dumb outfit. I do think that's part of what plays into the terror of him. Like that scene where they have the murder at the lake, I find incredibly terrifying just because he's such like this weird anomaly. He has like a weird costume on. And then the man tries to like reason with him as as he's being hogtied. And so it's just like, that's, I think, the reason everybody, like, becomes so obsessed with him is just because there's no, like, reason for him. He's just this, like, weird evil that, like, emerges out of nowhere. He's not trying to, like, sexually gratify himself. He's not a cannibal. He's just this person. Who, he's almost like a like a goth or something. Like, he just wants to be, like, weird and creepy <laughs> and, like, f- like, freak people out. And that legitimately is scary because his motivations are like so personal and so his own and so like weirdly esoteric that he'll just like kill people on a sunny day by a beach while dressed in like what like whatever he looks like a like a sheik or something. Yeah, I I mean I don't think it's explicitly sexual, but he definitely went harder on the women in these stabbings, both in real life and in the movie. Like that's uh, true. The couple that is just hanging out by I think it's like a lake or whatever. Um, you know, he winds up stabbing the woman something like 30 times and the guy gets it maybe about six times. And it, you got to think it's, it's almost miraculous how somebody is just like driving by and goes, huh, that looks odd. I guess I'll just go walk over there and see what's happening. And then they find like two bloodied people just laying around crying yeah. and sobbing like the luck of that. But in real life, the nearest hospital was two hours away. So they called an ambulance, and that's one two-hour ride, and then they had to bring him back, and that's another two-hour ride. And during that second two-hour ride, the woman winds up passing away from blood loss. The guy survives. Um, very, very unfortunate way to go, so so much as it is lucky that they were stumbled upon. Yeah. They, uh, they depict this murder on the 1971 movie. Oh, do they? Uh, but it's definitely a scene that everyone should see because right at the beginning, I guess there's no take two, because when the murderer fails, first shows up on the scene, he slips and almost falls. And it's really funny because it, you can tell that it's not on purpose, but they just left it in. I guess they just maybe they didn't see it on the edit. No, they were alluding so to just... this smart retard idea that they got at <laughs> Not in this one, though. No, he just slips, and and it looks like a mistake. It looks like if he was trying to do it, it, he would never have done it so perfectly. And then he goes on to murder them by stabbing them very slowly in the chest, where you can see that there's no puncturing. It's just a spring knife showing. (laughs) Yeah, it's just no. It's just going into skin like this, 
So, like, nothing is being punctured. It's just skin around the knife uh, while the guy freaks out with wide eyes and everything. It's great. So, if there's a scene that you want to watch from that movie, that's 71, search for that one. It's really funny. Were there any other notable, uh, not adaptations, but movies that were inspired by the Zodiac? I mean, there was a Dirty Harry film, right? But aside from that. Um, no, not that, not that I'm aware of. It's, I think it's almost insulting to say that Dirty Harry is like inspired by Zodiac. It's so like tangentially related to what really happened. And it's like, um, I don't know. I, I like it when movies criticize other movies and, and Zodiac's like criticism of Dirty Harry where, uh, Mark Ruffalo's character just leaves and like smokes a cigarette outside the lobby before it's over. I, I really enjoyed that. You, you would think that more people would try and juice this for material, but they haven't. They go to everybody else. They go to, I mean, Ted Bundy has been covered to death. Uh, Jeffrey Dahmer, there's several films on him. But Zodiac, I mean, I'm sure that there's like series or whatever that, that were released for Discovery Channel or something. I know that every couple of years somebody comes out and is like, I, I found this toolbox in my dad's shed, and he's the Zodiac killer. I got a new <laughs> book coming out, and my dad was the Zodiac. There's apparently a really good one um, that, that the title escapes me. I started listening to it years ago, and I just dozed off. I didn't finish it at all. Where, at the very least, a uh, guy made a good case that his father was a serial killer. Maybe not the Zodiac, but there was something that overlapped with that. Um, let me ask you guys this since I threw it out there before that there was some meddling and maybe a a deeper crystallization of the Zodiac killer than what there actually was in real life, how many of these killings do you think was actually the Zodiac killer? Um, it's, it's plausible to me that the cab driver one is unrelated. It's because at least with uh, like the one they opened it with and the killing by the lake, it's like a couple being targeted and right. the woman sort of like dying because she suffers more than the man. So that's like a modus operandi right there. Whereas the, the cab killing to me of, of the ones depicted in the film seems like com completely anomalous. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not a detective, but it's like um, th th this will happen all the time. You see it like in serial killer stories, one of two ways where a serial killer will take credit for a bunch of killings that weren't his or they'll think there's like two or three people operating at the same time and then they'll catch one of them and they're like oh it's just one guy and we invented like these three different names so um i think that's the kind of error that happens all the time and if you want to believe that this was like more than one person that's totally plausible well wasn't uh berkowitz the one that would do that it would just kill random people on in cars just walking around so that sounds that sounds more like what something he would do, I know that was years later or whatever, but it, it doesn't seem related to whenever he kills couples that, you know, he makes them suffer. He stabs them. He waits for them to die or at least uh, hurts them in a way that is not just as simple as a gunshot. Like he seems to enjoy it more uh, than just, you know, blowing someone's face off. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. At least the, the motive doesn't seem to, to match with all of them. Right, that, that that was my takeaway as well. I, I don't think that taxi cab driver was the Zodiac killer. I do think that the woman with her baby probably was. Um, but yeah, it, it seems like the, the drive is specifically targeting women. 
Um, so to just kill a, a cabbie out of the blue, that feels more yeah. like... Yeah, well, that that's not the most dangerous game. <laughs> cab driver yes. is his back turned to you no certainly he's vulnerable not. oh have you oh, guys seen oh. the the most dangerous game the original 19 was it 1920s one or read the book uh i i watched some some clips for it in becoming very interested in this movie i hunted up some clips but i haven't seen the entirety of the most dangerous game what is it it's a it's a well it's a novel and it's a movie about a wealthy man who hunts people on an island. And that's the most dangerous game. What were you going to say before that? I saw you were about to hop into something. Oh, yeah. Just going back to what you were saying about how, you know, there's been serial killers that are just done to death, like Dahmer and and uh, Bundy. Uh, they even did that Jeffrey Dahmer in high school thing to like learn his back. Sorry, I don't know if you ever saw my, my friend, friend Dahmer. Dahmer. I think yeah, there's called. a there's a graphic yeah. novel of that too that yeah, was yeah, done yeah. by the friend. I had that, yeah, which it had a kind of weird style. But I uh, there was a couple of years when I was living in Canada that I just got really interested in serial killers. And I would just buy serial killer books and read about that shit. And I just remember that movie came uh, came out, and uh, the actor that plays his friend is the the kid from Hereditary. The one with the mole, what's the same? Something fox, wolf, yeah, fox. Uh, and uh, but yeah, it, it got to a point where we even see a movie of him being a teen, like a drunk teenager, not even you know uh, as an adult or whatever, just to hear his backstory. So it is kind of weird that they haven't done that with the Zodiac. I guess uh, since you don't really have a face, is a little bit more difficult. But uh, so you want you want the I, Freddy Krueger origin where he's working for the school touching the kids. <laughs> That's what you want. Yeah. Well, uh, Arthur, that actor doesn't it suck when? I mean, doesn't it suck? Uh, I, I wouldn't know, but it's funny when when you have actors like I don't I don't know what this guy's name, the guy that played Arthur Lee Allen, but just by their look, you're like, oh, well, of course. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, yeah, that's the guy. You know, there's nothing to do with anything they've said or anything. You just see them. It's like, well, what what else is that actor going to play? But a like a creep, weird. He's always color. like a midwestern guy or like a yeah. company, like 1950s company man. Uh, I know he's the he's uh, Francis McDormand's character in uh, Fargo, her husband. Yeah. And then he pops up in a bunch of I think like Coen brother films. He's in The Founder with Michael Keaton. He plays one of the McDonald brothers. Yeah. So he's always just a big dummy, really. Yeah, but he's good. He's very good. He gives a very subdued performance uh, in this film uh, that is necessary for the character and conveys the creepiness especially well. I think it works if you immediately are like, "Oh, obviously it's that guy," because because the, the film, even though the characters are all obsessed with who Zodiac is, the film's not really about that for the audience. It's more about like the frustration of like. Are us sharing in the character's frustration of how sort of like inept they are. So the fact that you know it's him the whole time and they never really manage to catch him, I think sort of works. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, also, uh, j- just to go back to My Friend Dahmer, what did you think about that movie, My Friend Dahmer, Hans? It was fine. Yeah, you were really... impressed by it? Did you watch it, Zombie? I actually encountered, uh, I haven't seen it, but I encountered the comic book when I was in college. A friend of mine had all of it. So I've read a bit of the comic book, which I really liked. I thought it was interesting. There's a whole part in it about how uh, 
like the guy who wrote it and his friends used to agree to buy Jeffrey Dahmer liquor if he would go to the mall and pretend to have like an epileptic episode. Yeah. And so that I was like, this is fascinating. And so I remember reading that and think that was so cool. That's what I that's what I liked about the movie. I mean, uh, it has received uh, some criticism lately I've seen from people online, but I thought that movie was was really good when it came out. That was 2017, 2018. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that lead actor, really... too. He had a really good um, cinematography. I remember being yeah. very like the they did really good with the with the aesthetic of it, just make it look very retro and like shitty house. And and uh, I I don't remember loving it, but I, I yeah, it was it was good. It was good, especially after reading the, the the comic book. You know, they they do depict a lot of the things that happen in a really interesting way in the movie. Uh, and. Uh, uh, but yeah, I just I just thought it was interesting that you know uh, I don't know if there's another serial killer where they've gone that far uh, to you know show their teenage years or whatever. But then again, the story kind of you know there's not many serial killers whose friends are writers or comic book right. artists or whatever that come up with Dom- stories. Dahmer is a weird one too, just because he's so. Uh... This is uh, David Foster Wallace said once that Dahmer was like the most Lynchian serial killer just because he would keep heads in his freezer next to actual food, which is like the oddest thing to do. He would like eat a thing that was sitting beside a human head. And so I think Dahmer is like a like a fascinating character just because he's like, you know, he worked at the chocolate factory and then obviously experimented on people. So he's so painfully boring and then so painfully frightening at the same time. So, yeah, that's, you know, he's, I think when people think serial killer, Jeffrey Dahmer is for a lot of people, like what you picture when you think of serial killer in your head. But I think, I think he also has a thing of, uh, you know, being this beast that doesn't know what they're doing because he was also very nice to a couple of his neighbors in that apartment building where he was living. I guess very nice we you know, feed them the food he was making, which I guess is not very nice, but I don't think he was a... Yeah, I don't think he was aware of the fact that, that, you know, that's wrong. I think he was so fucked up that maybe in an attempt of trying to be a human being to his neighbors, he was thinking he was doing something nice because with his upbringing, like, it's, it's, it makes no sense that he would even know how to socialize with anyone. Yeah. Uh, so, so it has that vulnerability of, you know, this guy's a monster, but is it a monster that knows that what they're doing is wrong or is it a monster that just doesn't really know where the boundaries are or was never taught what is good or bad and just goes uh, with whatever he's feeling, you know? I or it's the whole in- injecting thing in brains and shit like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know? My favorite thing is the uh, the story about him and that, that young Asian prostitute that he brought <laughs> back with him. And the oh, police are like, oh, God. Look, look, look at these homos. Why don't you two go get a room? <laughs> that, that's one of the most depressing things. I've ever oh, heard, yeah, for sure. Certainly. Uh, you know, there's a lot to Arthur Lee Allen that they could unpack and turn into its own movie if they wanted to go with a more focused uh, perspective on that character. But um, I don't know if you would be able to do that for legal reasons because he's not the clear. I mean, he mm. hasn't been deemed guilty of the murders at all uh, the, uh, he does uh, die of a heart attack right after they schedule an interview with him in I think 92 so I mean he got away with it he, if, it, if it was him he got away with it he succeeded, succeeded excuse me yeah that's go on, go on. Oh, well I was just going to say it's like um, 
it is sort of like kind of a bleak ending because I guess you could make the argument that Mike Majot, like the teen who shot at the start of the movie that we see at the end, he can be like comforted because he knows who the killer is. And then Arthur Lee Allen dies. So maybe he can live scot-free. But then aside from that, it's like obviously people are still writing about it and talking about it. It's not as though like the fear of the Zodiac dissipated like with the book or even with this movie really at all. Like it's, uh, I, I mean, the movie seems to believe that it's Arthur Lee Allen, but not in a way that like makes me or anyone else feel more comfortable. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I think it would be very interesting to delve into that character more with the information that is out there about him. Uh, you don't need, necessarily need to call it, call him Arthur Lee Allen, but uh, there's there's ways to work around it. I mean, they, they they were calling him Arthur Lee Allen in this movie. They're calling him Arthur Lee Allen in the second yeah. book that Graysmith put out. So, but I mean, straight up saying like painting, I, I don't know. I don't know. It seems you got to call it like questionable. You got to call it like Squirrel Man. <laughs> yes. <something>. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you think they would be interested for that though? Because just thinking as as to what's come out recently, let's say horror, because this. I guess it would be kind of detective-ish, but like if you're going to focus on these stories, it's probably going to end up being more close to horror, I guess. And anything that's been done recently, serial killer related, is more about the, the sexy aspect of it and not so much about the killing. Because even that, that movie that I didn't like about Ted Bundy that we saw that with the ridiculous long name. Uh, we focus more on how charming he is and how he's able to charm every, everyone than the actual murders. So I don't know if, if with the times that we're currently living, we'll be accepted to see uh, the depiction of this horrible serial killer who's not good looking or charming uh, and, you know, delve into him that much unless you make it like a miniseries that now Netflix has been putting out miniseries about shit like that. That's Yeah, that, that would be the most likely route. I mean, the days of like Jared Leto putting on 80 pounds to be <laughs> Arthur Lee Allen, uh, that's over. You know, nobody's making those types of movies anymore. Uh, and yeah. no one's, no one's going to put on that weight for a Netflix or a direct-to-Apple film, you know? So, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it, it would really depend. There's a lot to unpack with him that's not in this movie. Like, for example, the fact that in later years they discovered that he had multiple cars at the time that he had his trailer, but also a second trailer. And, uh, you know, all those searches that came up dry, it could have been for any number of reasons. Because they leave out in this film that his family was wealthy, that his mom set him up with multiple properties, and he had plenty of resources to get away with many of these murders. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, I don't know. It, w- it would be very different, because if you told the story of him... Uh, I think there'd be like an impulse to like make it a horror, but the interesting stuff about it um, is, is sort of how he was able to remain uncaught. It's it's, it's like all of those details. So um, yeah, that's what fascinates me. Aside I, from it being, like, I, I think you could make it like a good Columbo style mystery where he's just trying to <laughs> evade all these detectives and then obsessive Robert Graysmith, and you root for him in the end. They turn it into like a Joker style film. Oh you know. <laughs> you know you don't want a Tiger King-like uh, documentary series about the Zodiac where we try to look at the humor, but there's not really much. It's just show him being goofy or say a couple of goofy things what? he did before he murdered people. <laughs> didn't well, the, I didn't watch Tiger King, but wasn't the idea of Tiger King that he was innocent? 
I honestly you don't know. Don't you know. didn't watch it either. Zombie, did I you watch watched, Tiger King? I have not seen Tiger King. All right, let's assume it was because he was innocent. You know that that okay. seems to be what people came away with is he's a weird right. guy, and he was yeah. innocent. I mean, they did that with the uh, the case for or case against Anand Saeed that HBO put out where they were oh. like, look look at all these issues in the case here, and then they don't like really give you a counterpoint to be like, all right, well, if it wasn't an Adnan here, then maybe it was this or this, or they don't do that. They just go, look at this hole. It couldn't have been a non. And here's a non sister. Look at, it's a crying Muslim family. He's innocent. He's got to be innocent. That's, His mom's that's, crying. Uh, that's serial. Is that what yes. that is? The serial podcast? Uh, yeah. So yeah. HBO decided to do a documentary um, with a non Saeed's uh, sister. And uh, yes, it was based on the, the convicted killer from Serial, season one. Yeah, that's... So he's, he's not innocent after all? I never listened to that. Well, uh, one of the things... I, I think he fucking did that shit. Yeah, he did. I listened to Serial. Yeah, yeah, okay, good. <laughs> but one of the things I like about Zodiac is it is, t- to me, like the most likable true crime thing I've ever done because it's mostly like, look, crime is really hard. It's It's like... It's like the movie is, I guess some people might not like it because it was sort of confusing, but I kind of find that the point where they're like, it's really hard to understand anything that's going on. It was like your theory, Lorez, where you said like, maybe like they were fabricating evidence and the press was like reporting things that weren't true. And then it just kind of becomes obscure because everybody's really excited about it. Like, right. I, uh, I think that's a, the problem with the Anon case as well, is I think the police took conveniences in their job. And that has led to this whole investigation where they're reopening the case. And he's clearly guilty, but now there's a whole bunch of people that think he might be innocent because there was maybe forged evidence or something like that. I mean, that's how OJ got off, right? The police were trying to speed up their jobs. They they weren't expecting people to look into their forgeries. And then he winds up getting away with murder. Also, boys, just give me one second. I'm going to leave the audio recording. So, Hans, you take the wheel here. I got to just pee real quick. You should bring a bottle next time. I stayed. I stayed over at my my girlfriend's house uh, this weekend, and uh, her family was over. And to get to the bathroom, you have to go through the room where her mom was sleeping. And, oh my god, dude! I I pissed on a couple of tiny bottles of water that I had in the room, uh, and I just hovered over the kitty litter uh, <laughs> for my my girlfriend's cats, and ended up just pissing all over my hands and all over the kitty litter. Uh, but uh, it just reminded me of uh, I have one friend that always had a, a Gatorade bottle in his car to piss in because he said that it was like the uh, bottle that was easier to just put your dick in because the 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 thing was wide enough. And I had never tried it before, and uh, I, I don't recommend it uh, when when you're you know when you know when you have to piss so bad that you're hard and you don't know how to <laughs> because it's just it's just hard. You're just your dick is full of piss or whatever. Uh, so being hard and trying to piss into a tiny hole i ended up with yeah uh, my hands covered in piss and uh and the kitty litter with the cats very confused as to why i was doing that they were just like running around it and around me uh and just meowing at like three in the morning because i was pissing on their spot uh that's yeah (laughs) that's always stuff like that this is barely related but have you ever seen that thing where like when someone's really drunk and they're like pass it out or sleeping, they'll get up and then they'll just pee on whatever is close to them. Mm. That's one of the weirdest things ever. A guy in my, uh, in my uh, college, we were sitting around watching a movie and he was passed out drunk. And then he just stood up and walked to the corner and we were like, Ryan. And then he just peed in a potted plant. 
and then zipped up his fly and came back and fell back asleep in like 30 seconds. So I've always been fascinated by that drunk impulse where they know they can't pee themselves, but also like what a toilet is, is not in their drunk brain. Listen, I probably shouldn't be putting myself out there. I don't think I've ever told this story, but when I was studying in England, I had a roommate whose room was next to the bathroom and uh, his room was the only room that had a carpet in it. And uh, one night I got home very drunk and instead of going into the bathroom, I went into his room and started pissing on the floor. Uh, and he, he woke up and he was like, what the fuck? And I was just, no, I just said, no. I just yelled no, like five times <laughs> ran into my room. He told me this the next day. I had no idea. Apparently he spent like an hour cleaning my piss at five in the wow. morning. Uh, but yeah, so that's, uh, uh, that's, that's why I that's don't drink the most, that much anymore. <laughs> that's the most frightening response to see a man peeing on your carpet in the middle of the night. And then you say, hey, what are you doing? And then he <laughs> screams the word no at you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so so i can relate i guess i, I try to keep it in, in uh at a manageable uh amount of alcohol now just to avoid pissing on my own bed i guess yeah um sorry i, I was gonna say this before oh uh, lowers left wasn't one of the details of the OJ? oj case yeah wasn't one of the t- I called you OJ. That's my nickname. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't one of the details of the OJ case that one of the cops who gathered evidence just like happened to be a full blown white supremacist? Uh, something like that. Like he had, there was a recorded incident of him using some N words on, right, uh, right, on yeah. the record. Yeah. And uh, that did not help the case at all. So that oh, cancel cancel culture right <laughs> <laughs> oh boy yeah i i i am uh i have to say i'm, I'm glad to have revisited zodiac uh this year you know i was watching again uh i watched this this korean film last year zombie i'd recommend it to you uh since you seem to be a big fan of the zodiac uh film uh, me- have you seen Memories of Murder? Uh, I no. My knowledge of it comes from you posting about it on the internet. It has a, I mean, culturally, obviously, very different, but it has a similar vibe to it to Zodiac in the exploration of the case, trying to find the culprit of the murders, trying to fit a, a you know a square piece into a circle, and things not really working out, and then you know eventually the killer comes back. Uh, it's very good. It's a very well done film, and I think Bong Joon Ho is a sellout and a hack. I think he <laughs> is uh, completely void of any artistry nowadays. Uh, I, I did like Parasite, but aside from that, but this is his second film, I believe it is, and it is terrific. It's a it's a wonderful feature. Nice, nice, yeah, yeah. Anything, it's because like Zodiac. Really, I, I think they kind of marketed it as like a creepy horror film, but it's kind of like a police procedural or something mm. like approximating that. And anything about police work or like, you know, like detective work, uh, that interests me. So I'll, I'll probably check this out. Yes, would would uh, definitely recommend. Do you guys know uh, what the major differences might be between the director's cut of Zodiac and the the regular theatrical cut? Um, the major differences... Um, I don't know if I've seen, I don't know which one I've seen because I've seen the director's commentary for the same version that I've watched, which is the one that I think is like 223. So it's possible that I haven't seen the director's cut. 
I got it right here. I'm fairly certain the director's cut has, hmm, yeah, the director's cut is is almost three hours long. So, uh, I don't know. That's what I wound up watching yesterday. I haven't seen the theatrical cut in, the, in quite a while, so I wouldn't be able to give a good compare and contrast to that. Uh, but yeah, it is a uh, it's a great film. Zodiac and Hans, you were going to say something before I start talking about Memories of Murder, or before we went off the subject of Memories of Murder. Yeah, I just wanted to make a recommendation if you're into police work and procedural stuff. There's this series of movies from the 80s called Police Academy. There's like six of them. <laughs> uh, the first two are very good. Uh, I don't know about the other four. But, they, uh, uh, yeah. they filmed Police Academy 4 in my neighborhood where I used to live. So it was very weird watching that for me because there'd be like, you know, the place to go to get coffee and then you watch Police Academy and it's just like Tony Hawk doing a grind down that like <laughs> skateboarding one. So I, I am somewhat familiar with the Police Academy films. Weren't they going to remake that? They, there was supposed to be a remake of that out, right? Yeah, Specifically, I'm, sure that, I'm sure that Goofy Cops in this climate would be <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey! Here's that cop who just killed the black guy. He makes he does voices. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that would go. Well. <laughs> There's one of them had a bazooka. <clears throat> I don't think that would really roll nowadays. You know? No. Yeah. Pro- probably not. I don't know. We'll, we'll even see. just a, a cop screaming like Bobcat Gold. Yeah. <laughs> I think find unnecessarily aggressive. You know? Oh. Well, uh, I think we've basically said everything we can say about Zodiac. So why don't we uh, start giving some plugs? Nice, uh, nice. Zombie, you can you can start with that. Yeah. Um, so uh I wrote a I wrote a piece on Zodiac that I mean I'm sure it'll be up by the time this comes out. So if you want to go to zombie z o m b e e dot substack dot com, uh you can read it there. Uh I'll send it to your email. Uh and then yeah, if you want, uh follow me on Twitter. Uh it's at uh Bennett Davidian, B-E-N-N-E-T-T, and then Davidian, D-A-V-I-D-I-N, like the branch Davidians. Great. You'll have to send me a link to that so I can throw it into the uh, the description of the episode and also so I can give it a read myself. Uh, Hans, you want to plug your, your Twitter account or anything you got going on? Um, well, just that we're Civic TV is coming back. So to keep an eye out for that, we're going to be doing it bi-weekly, right? Uh, and we've, well, uh, Loris has been uploading the episodes on the YouTube channel. So go give those a view. And uh, that's that's it. Cool. Okay. All right. Anyway, uh, patreon.com slash lowers if you want to get exclusive episodes and episodes along. I got to start doing that at the beginning of the show. Yes. It seems very pointless. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So patreon.com slash lowers if you want to get like five weeks of episodes in advance because this will probably be out in a month or something. I don't know. Maybe I'll speed it up. Maybe I'll put it in front of Dick Tracy or whatever we got coming out since your, your piece is already out there. Um, all right. That's, that's been the show for this week. Zombie, you've been terrific. Thank you for coming on. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. This has been a lot of fun. Awesome. And that has been movies. Thank you for listening.